And you are here once again for SCW, the wrestling channel. You may be watching on youtube.com. You may be listening as well on podcast form. Thank you. This is This Week in Wrestling. Once again for you now, episode nine, touching on all things pro wrestling. We're going to be talking WWE. We're going to be talking AEW. And we're going to be talking everything for you today. We've got lots of things to discuss. And of course, we've got the up-to-date news topics as well. But I'm joined in the hot seat, as always, by the one and only George Jones. George, how are you doing this Friday? I'm great, thanks. Really looking forward to this. It's been another fantastic week in wrestling. So, yeah, really excited for this podcast. Should be fun. Absolutely. And me, myself as well. And I tell you what, there's been some really exciting stuff, even on the indie style of wrestling as well. So I'm looking forward to touching on one or two indie promotions towards the end of the video as well. But um, let's talk into the one of what we think is the top major story over the last 24 hours that's broke. And uh, a ritual story came out on Monday from WrestleVotes. And uh, they're usually very reliable with their sources. They couldn't give out a name, but they were believed that a superstar within WWE was no longer going to re-sign with the company. Uh, and of course, it led to everyone speculating who they think it may be and it came out on Thursday that a lot of uh, attention had gone towards Ricochet to the point that he had to actually make a response himself of course doing the famous Leonardo DiCaprio's I'm not leaving video which was put on his Twitter when he went to also explain why and where has this come from uh, very interesting stuff indeed because Ricochet of course uh, signed I believe in 2018 many suggested that the contract could be coming up at the start of 2021 uh, it felt like it could have been a logical choice George I wonder your thoughts of Ricochet WWE, are you happy he's staying or would you prefer him to be going? I would be happy if he was going, to be fair. I don't think, unfortunately, since he's come up from NXT, he's, he's had the greatest rub. He's a fantastic wrestler. He's, he's a great asset in the ring. I think we've kind of lost that a bit. But um, if he does stay, it's, that's the main stage for him to be on. But for me, the best option for him would be a re-sign. If he's, he's going to re-sign, he put him back to NXT, really. I know it's almost look, looked as a discretion or looks like he's halting his progress but at least if he's in NXT he'll be he'll be able to build himself up again because WWE at the moment have only got him getting sort of destroyed every week by the Hurt Business recently he's almost like a a, a talented jobber so to speak which is a, just he's far too good for that in my opinion I would agree, yeah, he's far better than an enhancement talent. And you mentioned there about people going back to NXT, Breezango, Finn Balor. I mean, these superstars have been on the main rosters for years and they've gone down and Finn Balor's the NXT champion, Breezango, the tag team champion. So like you say, you can go down, you can rebuild that reputation. So it would be good to see him back in that sort of role. I'd be very pleased to see him in NXT once again. I'd even be happy for him to go on to SmackDown at this point because I feel on Raw, there's so many superstars kind of like a ricochet. None of them really stand out. If you look at like Mustafa Ali, Cedric Alexander, Umberto Carrillo, they're all similar style of gimmicks and in-ring style action. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I think all them points you make are all sort of linked in that makes sense. I think um, it's just a shame, really, when you look at sort of how high and how sort of over he was with the fans when he came up at first. They just seem to lose that. The problem is when he's stuck in this kind of feud now and they clearly had numbered, it just doesn't do any favours to him. And I think ever since he's had that world title challenge to Brock Lesnar where he got absolutely destroyed, it's always it's sort of gone downhill really since then. But fingers crossed that he's able to sort it out. I'd like to see him sort of do well in WWE because I'm a massive fan of him. I think he's really good. I'm even a fan of him going back to his Lucha Underground days. Do you remember Lucha Underground? I do indeed. I was a big fan. In fact, Prince Puma was my favourite back at that time. Obviously not recognising at the time that that was actually Ricochet. Uh, I remember actually being um, flabbergasted when I actually then saw Ricochet in New Japan against Will Ospreay. Uh, of course, that famously critiqued match that they had, which uh, was almost, you know, it was like a spot fest really from start to finish, but uh, really put him on the map, it felt, with those two companies going forward. But um, yeah, I would be a fan of seeing whatever Ricochet decides to do. I think he can be a success story. I just believe, like you said, that he's, he's lost that momentum 
momentum uh, in the last sort of six months or so. Uh, WWE needs to have a bit more faith in a superstar like him because he really can stand out. He's something, you know, although I mentioned other superstars that have kind of got a similar style, he can stand out in amongst his gimmick. And I don't know, he just seems a bit crisper, a bit cleaner in the ring than the rest, in my personal opinion. Uh, but uh, another person that could be potentially unhappy in WWE uh, is Kevin Owens. Now, uh, news report via Ringside News this week um, has suggested that Kevin Owens has been very frustrated uh, with the start-stop pushes and the way that he's been booked uh, over recent times in WWE. And you couldn't fault him for that, really, because, uh, well, let's be fair, it's kind of true. It seems every time Kevin Owens gets that certain point on the ladder, that rug just seems to be pulled. Uh, there's been a lot of speculation going around saying that Kevin Owens is very well liked backstage, someone that's been very, you know, happy-go-lucky kind of superstar, but recently has been more miserable, difficult backstage has been the rumour that's been coming out. Uh, what are your feelings with Kevin Owens in WWE right now? Could you see that this could be, you know, has some substance to it? Yeah, maybe. I think the thing with it is they've never really followed up his WrestleMania win against Seth. I think I think sort of he's had the odd matches here. He's had the odd spells where he's looked great, where he's beat people such as Murphy. He's beat Seth again on TV. He's even beat Angel Garza and people like that. It's just they never seem to elevate him. For me, he, he could be a ready-made challenger for the title. But um, as a babyface, I, I don't really know if it connects to me. I think he's far better as a heel. He's a fantastic talent. I just would hate to see him be wasted in sort of raw underground and needless feud, so to speak. What's your thoughts of the booking of Kevin Owens this year so far? Uh, this year, I think you've nailed right on the head. I mean, I think it's unfortunate Kevin Owens was injured uh, during that, of course, big spot that he did in the performance centre, jumping off the WrestleMania sign. Uh, but um, I would have had him as like a Money in the Bank winner at that point. I thought he was the, the ready-made person to be that challenger for, for Drew McIntyre, despite him being a face at the time. Like you say, he can do both roles. He can play face or heel. Uh, but it just feels like he's got lost since coming back in. Uh, I know that, of course, with the pandemic, it's been difficult. Not everyone has been, you know, at WWE at certain points and I know he's been someone that has uh, verbally said about the use of masks and the social distancing and stuff with the coronavirus stuff and the way that uh, that stuff was treated in WWE according to a lot of the, the wrestle sites that are out there um, but with Kevin Owens I really want to see him start being pushed back up the card. I mean he did beat Alistair Black in quick fashion this week. That probably says more about Alistair Black's push in WWE than it does Kevin Owens but um, I mean KO he for me deserves to be higher up the card and hopefully this is the start of a push towards something but with the draft coming up George I'm going to ask you this question probably more frequently in the coming weeks as we expect him on in October would you keep Kevin Owens on Raw or do you think he would be better utilised on Smackdown I think you've got it depends on what sort of dynamic you're going to have him if you're going to have him as babyface I think you have to kind of you have to potentially kind of move him to Smackdown if he's going to be a heel keep him on Raw that, that's the thing I think the thing with sort of Kevin Owens is he, as you said, he is great at being both a babyface and a heel, so it can work whatever he does in that respect. It's just more the placement. The problem is you, when you have got him having these massive victories, like he's beat Seth Rollins twice this year. I know at WrestleMania he got injured. They haven't been able to naturally follow up on that. And then when you're wasting him in Raw Underground and places like that, I think it's a shame. Really. If you look at his booking since August, he lost twice to Randy Orton, which, which has no shame in that. He, got, he kind of got destroyed by Dabakato. He's now beat Alistair Black, which was a big win, but Alistair Black's stock has fallen, as you said earlier. But for me, I would like to see him... Um, something new with him. Either let's push him on Raw as a heel or let's move him to SmackDown and make him sort of a baby face. Somebody then to go against Roman Reigns. I think Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns, for me, that could be a fun match. What, what do you think of that? 
I'd love to see it. I, I really love their match at the Royal Rumble uh, 2017, I think it was. I think that was almost like a hardcore-style match they had, uh, and they had great chemistry at that point. So I'd love to see it again somewhere down the road. I think that um, those two would actually make magic. So for me, um, a little spoiler, I did a WWE Draft video this week, and uh, for those that haven't gone and checked out, do so on the channel. But I'll give you one little spoiler on there. I had Kevin Owens going over the SmackDown period because of the fact that um, I do believe that they'll keep him as a babyface for the time being. And like you said there, the match will Roman Reigns, it's easily set in stone. Once maybe done a match with The Fiend, maybe that's what they could do going into the winter months. But Roman, if he's going to be the heel champion, he needs baby faces. And I think KO would slot nicely on the blue brand if that was to happen. But um, we've mentioned Roman Reigns there. And of course, uh, SmackDown is this evening uh, as of recording. And uh, we've got a little announcement. We've got uh, that uh, there's going to be a Samoan street fight. Uh, Roman Reigns, Jey Uso are going to be taking on Sheamus and King Corbin in this. Now, um, I'm already feeling this may not be the best street fight we've had of the week even but um the thing that makes me question this and I, I what i really want to talk to you about on this topic is the relationship with roman reigns and jay uso now um i've seen a little bit of criticism out there just purely because roman reigns has just turned heel uh, jay uso has you know been a baby face in this role here and if we want to establish roman as the big you know bad heel yes destroy the family in the family feud but it, is it right to have them teaming up on the road to clash of champions yeah, for me, I'm very underwhelmed by that. I think um, it's rematch City again. We've already, I know you're getting the street fight element. We had this last week. Uh, I get that you want to sort of get Roman over as a badass heel and you've got Jey Uso there and you want to kind of get Jey Uso over with the fans as well to be a title contender. But for me, um, yeah, I'm not kind of a fan of this. I think it's, um, we've had it once. I think the point is we're going into sort of Clash of Champions. We need to be having them start feuding. I think the problem with this is uh, for me, I think Jey Uso is a, like a placement. I think he's a placeholder challenger. He's got no real chance of winning this match. So I just think it's sort of against Roman Reigns. So I just think it's a filler TV for really for me. And I think the fact they've done a street fight, what a worst pick, worst week to pick a street fight element. What's your thoughts on that, Steve? Yeah, I mean, you you probably didn't think ahead. Like maybe if you don't pay attention to the other companies, maybe you think, oh, a street fight's a good way to do. But um, no, after AEW this particular week, I mean, they have knocked one completely out of the park here. I mean, from from a street fight perspective, and really is a parking lot brawl here between, of course, Santana Ortiz uh, against the best friends. I mean, this has to be, in my personal opinion, the best parking lot brawl I've ever seen and possibly up there in the top two or three street fights I've ever seen. It was violent, it was brutal, um, but it had the necessary things to have that feel, but it also didn't destroy things from a mainstream viewer audience. I think it was okay within the boundaries of what they were showing on TNT. So for me, this was pay-per-view level worthy. I think it was very well done. I thoroughly loved it. My minor, minor, minor critique was Orange Cassidy's involvement towards the end of the match for the finish. I felt the four superstars didn't need that interference. But at the same time, for me, it didn't take enough for it where it hurt the match. I think that the match still was very well done. I love the fact that uh, Trent's mum, Sue, actually picked them up after the match with Trent being full of blood going into the, to this white car. Um, I found it hilarious. And of course, flipping the bird as well. Just that nice little end of touch. You had that real go-home happy thing. It felt kind of, it, it felt for our target audience uh, as a wrestling fan. I felt I was in the right age group watching this it wasn't designed for kids it was designed for people of our age and i just i thoroughly loved it george did you feel the same 
Yeah, what a fantastic street fight. I think, as you said, it was up there. I think um, all four wrestlers came out with credit. I really like elements of this. It very much reminded me of ECW in the old days where it sort of nothing was off out of bounds. And it really took me back to sort of a bit like the Attitude Era as well in respect of the matches that Harker, Holly and Al Snow used to have where you used to end up in the river and anything goes. I just thought it was um, a fantastic match, really. I think and the problem is now, WWE, going back to your original topic, uh, I've got a street fight this week. I know it's PG and it's going to be hard to follow up, but... Um, yeah, WWE have made made a hard mount, made a mountain for them to climb up. Really, I think um, I think it's all right in terms of the AEW Street Fight though. Um, yeah, probably one of the matches of the of the year. Really, I think it was really good. It got all the wrestlers over. Um, and the Orange Cassidy thing at the end, I find it quite kind of humorous. It, it's, it's a feel good moment, which it's it's kind of nice to get a feel good moment eventually. It's building up the great work that they're doing. Clearly, they want to get Orange Cassidy over with everybody. He's beat Jericho previously, and he's got this um challenge against uh. He's got this challenge now against the former Luke Harper uh, for the AEW TV title next week as well. Or sorry, Brody Lee, shall we say. So they want to get him on TV for that, so it makes sense really. But going back to SmackDown and this other topic, for me, maybe this is the time where Roman eventually does sort of eventually leave. He left Jey Uso last week. Maybe tonight he finally beats him up, which it's just a shame really. We're doing rematch City. That's, that's the one thing I'm not really a fan of at the moment, WWE, unfortunately. No, I mean, the one thing I would say is, like you say there, you made a very good point. The Roman Reigns didn't want to be anywhere associated with Jey Uso, despite that tag team match. I mean, it was another one of those, he tagged himself in to get the win, show up and win as Roman is doing. So I suppose in that sense, it, it is excusable with what they're doing. But at the same time, I just feel that, um, like you said, I want to see a beat down, but maybe we're going to wait for the pay-per-view. Maybe it's going to be dominant. Maybe it's going to be violent. I will have to wait and see what they're going to do with Roman Reigns and Jay Uso. But um, there certainly is a little bit of interest in there, despite the fact we think it's a placeholder for what we think will be the inevitable hell in a cell. Uh, you see it potentially, as well as I am guessing, The Fiend versus Roman for the title. Yeah, 100%. Based on uh, this past week's SmackDown, where we had the Wobbly Rawls, a.k.a. Paul Heyman, that, that's there, uh, basically, going into another topic, that, that, that's there, obviously, as, as a, a hint to Roman Reigns, Bray Wyatt again, in my opinion. Uh, but for me, it, yeah, it's placeholder. I think the biggest problem I've got with this Jey Uso, Roman Reigns thing is, let's look at Jey Uso. He's never really beat anybody in a one-on-one -on -one match. He won one match, yet he's the number one contender. And this is where the logic falls down for me. This is your world title that's already undervalued. You need to try and rebuild it, and you're just giving him matches, runaway matches yet again, really, which is a shame. Really. What, what's your thoughts on that? I kind of agree with you. When you've got established people like AJ Styles on the roster, I know uh, Jeff Hardy, they're currently in the Intercontinental Championship feud, but both have been up there and champions before they have other people that are in that position that they could be challenging for the belt and uh, it's great to see new people get a chance hey this is how we build new stars we need to have new challenges but yeah. like you said maybe if J.U. said one maybe two three months worth of matches leading up to this I think you turn around and have a very different opinion of it I think you turn around and say well there's been some logic and booking Big E for example we're making yeah. clear Biggie is going to be a singles star Biggie is going to be a guy that you turn around and say right okay you know Maybe by WrestleMania, he's going to be ready for the championship. But at this particular point with Jey Uso, it's kind of just come out of nowhere, almost like an RKO. And um, I think that that's why we kind of feel a little bit, you know, surprised by this. Yeah, I agree with you. I think you're spot on. I think the thing with it is with, with Big E, at least they're doing some sort of groundwork with Jey Uso. I get it. It's the whole family connection. But to me, it just doesn't really work. I think um, Roman Reigns doesn't need that to be a badass heel. He's already a heel. He's already over. So he doesn't need to be beating Jey Uso. It does nothing for Roman Reigns. It does nothing for the belt, in my opinion. I think it's um, it's a real shame, really, when we're looking at sort of what they've done, really, with, the, with this belt so far this year. They've obviously had it change hands to various people. Roman Reigns is going to be a great 
uh, champion. Uh, no doubt of that. He, he's up that level. He, he's a fantastic heel. It's a great element. He's refreshed. I just think that they've got to start getting him contenders where we actually think it, the belt might be in danger of changing, really, for me, if, for me, in my opinion. I think that's what's kind of missing, really. Absolutely. You need to you need to have a feeling going into a match that there's a chance the other person can win. And I think that's kind of the, the real feeling with this one is that uh, you almost want to see Reigns not just win this, but you want to see him dominate this match yeah. with Jey Uso when it comes around to uh, Clash of Champions, which hopefully he will do. And as I think I said a previous video I've done on here, I don't think I've said it with you, George, but I'd love it to be that he destroys Jey Uso to the point that he holds Jay up towards the camera uh, and says, you know, I think the family's proud of me now, just to really get that heel kill yeah, behind over. Great. Just, just yeah, like something like that I think would be a nice twist and would be a, a nice closing for this story in my humble opinion um, but um, we, we mentioned it Big E and um, there's a big story that's come out with a new day over the last 24 hours as well that was rumoured uh, that could have been happening but has been rejected uh, it would have been the new day splitting up in the next draft it would have been Big E staying on Smackdown Kofi Kingston moving to Monday Night Raw and Xavier Woods being a manager on both brands. Now, this apparently has been rejected, so it's not expected to happen, but I wanted your thoughts on it. Would you have liked to have seen this? Yeah, I would have. I think for me, Kofi's gone like really, really quiet. They're not doing anything with him at the moment, it seems. So it'll be good. Big E's clearly going to be a star. The singles push has started. He's, he's doing really well with that. Um, and I like the way that Xavier Woods would have come back. It's something different. I like the way they're trying to do different stuff. It's a shame they didn't do it. I think for me, the money really in this stable that's left or this group is that one of them turns heel. That's kind of the thing that's got to be done. And I think you've got to have that dissension, really, which I thought maybe we might have got that already. But for me, I think it'd be great to see Kofi try and get back to where he was. Because let's not forget, this guy's a former world champion. He was one of the most over fins going into WrestleMania a couple of years ago. Whereas now he's just another kind of wrestler on the card, unfortunately, despite his fantastic talent. Absolutely. I believe that he has been out injured, I think, in recent weeks. But like you say, they haven't been doing so much with him as of late. He just went straight back into the tag team picture. Uh, for him to come back now, what would you bring him back to? I mean, for me, uh, if Biggie's going for the world title and he, and he does stay on SmackDown, would you like to see him in the IC title picture? Yeah, I think he'd be a great fit. I think he could have some good matches with particularly AJ Styles or Jeff Hardy. I think, um, yeah, uh, it'd be fun. Kofi Kingston, as I said, he's a great worker. Absolutely. I think Kofi Kingston is a great worker. Big fan of the New Day. I'm personally happy they're staying on the same brand for myself because once they get out of the Amway Centre, I guess that's a chance where they're going to be different towns, different days. And if they want to be around themselves in the same company, I guess I understand why it would have been rejected. But um, also, like you say, from the fresh value and being in the Amway Centre, I would have liked that as well. I just found it was a very fascinating topic so I really want to discuss that with you. Uh, another fascinating topic is we're going to start segueing from WWE into other companies. Well this one kind of is an individual talent at the moment Tessa Blanchard. Now of course the famous WWE Battlegrounds video game has been released uh, but there's been a still image that's been put in the game which appears to look like a hell of a lot like Tessa Blanchard in the game uh, it's caused all sorts of controversy George I was wondering to give us a bit more of an update on this story yeah, so obviously, apparently there's an image of Tessa Blanchard, like a pose she did, that apparently sort of is in the game. It clearly does look like her pose. Um, and I think it's just uh, sort of, it's kind of a, a bit outrageous, really. Obviously, the person that's created this image is probably going to sue WWE or something like that. But um, for me, as far as I knew, I believe Tessa Blanchard was as good as going to be signed by WWE. So I know that she obviously didn't own, she owns her own image, but she must not obviously own this supposed pose that was done. Is Tessa Blanchard signed by WWE? Are we correct there? Or is that is that just a sort of a rumour? 
And it's still in the rumour mill. I mean, everyone thought it was good as done a little while ago, but um, it doesn't seem to have signed the dotted line yet. The latest hint that's come to belief that this could be something in the working of Tessa Blanchard, at least signing somewhere, is that uh, she lost, I believe it's the Warrior Women's Championship uh, this past weekend. She lost that to Kylie Ray. That was her first match back uh, since the pandemic uh, obviously has begun. And of course, since she's got married as well. Uh, so she's dropped that championship. So there's a chance now, maybe, um, I'd she doesn't have any championships of any other indie company is that maybe, just maybe, she could be about to head somewhere, whether it be WWE or perhaps with her father uh, in AEW is also be another option. But um, it's certainly fascinating stuff indeed. But I believe that image was taken when she was in Impact Wrestling, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and that maybe could be where the rights of that image could be coming from. But um, certainly a fascinating story indeed. But um, like you say, the, the the cheek of it to be in a game, um, if it is meant to be that image, uh, certainly it's definitely a bit cheeky to say the least. It's a costly mistake if that's the case, isn't it? Definitely. Certainly. Well, one other story links WWE, and this one is going to link to AEW as we go into talking a couple of bits about Dynamite. Of course, we always spoke about the parking lot brawl, but um, apparently WWE wanted to sign Tony Schiavone before he signed for AEW purely to stop him from going to AEW. Now, Tony Schiavone, of course, was a, a part of WWE, uh, of course, back in the old WWF days, I believe in 1989, if I'm not mistaken, when I want to say that there. Uh, definitely the late 80s, maybe start of the 90s. Uh, of course, the names were WCW for the major years of the Monday Night Wars. But then, I mean, all these years in between, they could have signed Tony Schiavone and no mention. Seems funny that when AEW comes calling, that WWE do as well. Yeah, definitely. I, th I think it's one of them things. I think Tony Schiavone's always been a great play-by-play -play guy. Clearly, some, some of the greatest moments, he was one of the voices of WCW. And I think the fact is, um, yeah, it's funny how WWE didn't have any interest for years and years and years. He, he was obviously previously at the Royal Rumble 1990 and SummerSlam 89, where he did commentary, did a great job. But um, yeah, it's just it's just really weird how the minute AEW formed WF almost or WWE sorry panicked. Um, what's your thoughts? Do you think Tony Schiavone could have been a? Uh, sorry, I lost that just a small second there with, with Tony okay. Schiavone. Sorry. Um, yeah, all I said was, do you believe that Tony Schiavone could could have been a great success if he had gone to WWE at the same time AEW launched? Uh, do you know what I really do? Because uh, a lot of people dig the commentary. That's what they have a go at in WWE is the commentary team. And I think that Tony does bring a lot there. And I think that he's got great experience. I think that's what's great with him. You look at Michael Cole, uh, he's got great experience of what he does. Um, he seems to be a lot more favourable with his recent Raw appearances than he gets with Corey Graves. Maybe people have uh, just had enough of that partnership for the time being. But um, I do feel that with an experienced head like that with Tony Schiavone, that it's good to see. AEW has the experience at the table with Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone, of course, have done many NWA shows together in the 80s. Uh, so it's, it's, it's fascinating to see, really. And, of course, the WCW in the early 90s as well. Um, I, I think Tony would be successful wherever he was, to be fair. But um, at the same time, I, I'm pleased he was in AEW because um, I think he, he, what he brings to the table for that company, I think, is, uh, you know, is something that's invaluable to a lot of other companies. I think that uh, he certainly feels uh, you know, useful, a purpose, and uh, I'm, I'm sure he feels very loved being there. Yeah, definitely. I think he brings a great sense of nostalgia, which, is, which I think is always nice. Absolutely. It's great when you're hearing one of those famous names putting a new star over. It just kind of feels that that feeling there where you kind of go like, I'm going to believe in Orange Cassidy. I'm going to believe in the best friends. You know, it's sort of that feeling when you hear those sort of things from maybe Britt Baker. He's, he's bigging her up a bit as well. And certainly one of my favourite gimmicks of the year has been her role model. But um, let's move on to AEW Dynamite, shall we? Let's talk about one of our favourite topics when we do bring him up, Mr. MJF. And uh, of course, this week, he won very quickly in quick fashion against the jobber this week uh, with the sort of the uh, 
of uh, the sort of you know Fujiwara armbar that he uses and uh, he did get on the mic after the match which we expected he would with Wardlow in the background and he said that uh, you know he's you know the uncrowned undisputed unofficial AEW champion out there uh, and as well as that that he feels that he's not going to get the opportunities he wants uh, and deserves at this particular moment he's always been a lone wolf maybe it's time he helps himself and gets over in the company because the only way to get over is to be in a stable or a faction so that's really put a lot of you know talking points for the wrestling community of thinking who might be a part of a stable for MGF first off I think before we start going talking in members George would you be a fan of seeing MGF you know lead a type of stable in AEW yes I would he's a fantastic talker so I think uh, yeah it'd be great he could certainly give a lift to people that may be under the card if they if they're in a stable with him that's for sure absolutely I think that as well one thing I found really cheeky as well was when he'd done this interview and he left the ringside area he had a little swag in his step just as he was going up the ramp and it all just felt a bit Ric Flair-esque and uh, there's been a talk of a long time that they want to do a four horseman type stable. So I'm going to throw my four horseman type stable for you now, George, and get your opinions on it. I wondered MJF, Wardlow, FTR with Tully as the manager directing as well. Um, of course, Wardlow could be the big heavy like he always is, but of course, Tully could be, you know, the direction of telling people where their mistakes are being made. And like they've done, FTR have gone up a level, it feels, since they've had Tully in their corner. Would you feel the same if M MJF and, of course, Wardlow would have Tully in their corner as well? Yeah, I think it's a great fit. I think it would work. I think clearly, I like the people you've named in that stable. I think uh, that's a good... Absolutely. I think that um, it, is, uh, it would be a fun stable. What I thought was, well, it would feel like a throwback stable as well, because, you know, FTR kind of felt like that, that brainbusters type tag team back in the old days. MGF is just a throwback in himself. Of, you know, he's not like this flipped kind of guy, superstar that you get in the modern day. So I really like the idea of this as being a stable together. Is there other names that you would throw in the hat if, if you were given, you know, the pencil for AEW right now? If I could, rather than a four-man stable, if I could choose other people as Kenny Omega and the Unbucks as well. I think that could be like a super stable. But um, I, I think the stable you said is probably more likely. I could see FTR and MGF working. So it's more likely probably than my one. But um, both would be fantastic. Though. Both stables, if they did them, would be great. Absolutely. I would love to see that as well. It seems that Omega and, uh, of course, the Young Bucks are going that, down that direction of where you know, the elite's almost going down the dark side once again. But let's go to our good friends at Twitter, shall we? Because we threw this out to you guys in the wrestling community. Of course, we love to interact here on SCW. So I have taken a few tweets and uh, I'm going to give you uh, what some of the people have said. Uh, Dylan Ketchum, who likes to get involved here from time to time on SCW, thank you as well for giving your suggestion. He said that, uh, of course, with Wardlow, naturally with MGF, he would have Santana and Ortiz. Now, uh, of course, we've discussed previously about them in the uh, with the inner circle perhaps being overlooked. Their stock has definitely risen this week. Um, would you see it as a natural fit? Clyde Dillon, yeah, yeah, I would. I think that'd be a good fit. I think it, it would further 100%. Absolutely, indeed. Uh, and I hope I'm saying this one right now, but Chansey, uh, it's uh, definitely Sharkbomb99 if you want to get the at, definitely get the follow right. Uh, of course, using here... Get Griff Garrison and Brian Pillman Jr. Um, you'd have four dudes there, he said, with uh, MJF and, of course, Wardlow. Now, of course, uh, I know Brian Pillman Jr. has been involved with uh, MLW, which, of course, I've not followed too much with, but I know that uh, MJF was a part of that as well. Um, would you see that this would fit quite nicely together? Of course, Pillman and Garrison... That could work. I, I think the key thing with a stable with MJF... Hi, hi Johnson. I think the key thing with a stable with uh, MJF, he has to be the main focal point. So, clearly, that would work. I think the people underneath 
them are not sort of main stars at the moment. They're all potential stars. So, yeah, I, that could work. I think I think if you're going to give MJF a, a new sort of group, then I think new people probably is the way maybe forward to get him over more. You don't want people, you don't want him to be in there and sort of battle with other people, which is probably kind of, in the stable I said, probably... Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's always potentially could be the case. And like you said, I love the idea of elevating new superstars up the card. I think that's good. And as I was going to say a minute ago, I think that both of those superstars are now mainly on dark. So that gives them a chance to get dynamite, which I think would be fantastic for them. So, um, and we mentioned there um, about MLW just very shortly, but uh, everything pro wrestling said that the dynasty stable uh, that was around in MLW, easy for me to say, uh, was, a, was a great stable back in the day. I must admit, I don't have so much experience of seeing uh, them uh, during that time. But uh, have you seen much of MLW, George? Uh, no, no, I haven't. I know there was a few bits. I know they had a champion called Jacob Fatu. Um, there was a bit like Yamaga and stuff. But I've, no, it's not something I've kind of watched a lot of. I think it's quite hard over here to see it. I know that it's on a channel called Free Sports and it's on at um, like midnight or 1am or something crazy. And there's not a massive amount of coverage here in the United Kingdom. I imagine it's probably the same where you are, Steve. Uh, yeah, no, unfortunately, it's not not that easy way of, of seeing. I do know that with, uh, I believe with the United States, they have it on BN Sports, which uh, uh, is a, definitely a, a very popular platform for them to see it. And uh, if there's a chance to maybe check them out at some point in the future, would love to do so. But uh, sadly, at this point, haven't been able to. But I know that MJF was a, a multi-time champion there with, with the tag team. Uh, and I believe was a middleweight champion as well, if I'm not mistaken. I've tried to do my research for this, as you may have noticed. Uh, Jordan S actually mentioned about FTR as well. Uh, so he, he, they've also mentioned that also. Jordan, thank you for your comment. And uh, we've, we've discussed that one already then we think there'll be a great fit uh, and bros bumps and beers what a great username that is there a hill jungle boy how about that yeah that'd be a, that'd be a swerve wouldn't it i, I like that it's vince rooster-esque good shout absolutely and the last one as well from ty world order who'd like to get involved as well in scw from time to time there and uh, the muscle with wardlow as we've mentioned already private party and heather monroe which i think also again both those sort of undercard kind of characters i love the idea of private party just before i pass to you george of them being a heel tag team i think that would be quite fun and can you imagine you know with the burberry kind of stuff they usually go with the leopard print turn it to the burberry style i think it could be quite fun yeah, I agree with you. I think private parties, hills could be fun. I actually see MGF stable. Like, I don't even remember the old days of the Atchichera where we had um, Don Callis as the Jackal with the Truth Commission as a speaker. I can almost see them doing that with MGF, having MGF as somebody that can manipulate people based on his verbal skills. And I think that could really, really work. I think he could brainwash people that want that are babyface into hills, being hills doing his dirty work, which will ultimately get him up to the title probably, which I think will really work. I love it. I think that sounds like a fantastic idea to do it like that. I really think that would be quite cool. Um, we speak of, of, of uh, some of the, perhaps, like you say, lesser names or less known names on the card. One actually had a great breakout performance who'd been performing on Dark uh, in the Casino Battle Royale that was uh, just this past couple of weeks ago at All Out. Now signed to a full-time contract. Will Hobbs is elite, ladies and gentlemen, and he is expected to get a major push within the promotion. Uh, and even to the point that he's actually going to be involved in the six-man tag team match this upcoming week. Uh, he actually made the save for John Moxley this past week. So we're going to have Moxley, Darby Allen, and Will Hobbs against Lance Archer, Brian Cage, and uh, of course, uh, Ricky Starks. What do you think of this six-man tag? And I think it's a great place to put Will Hobbs in, straight in the deep end. Yeah, I agree with you there, Steve. I think he's, he's clearly in the, in the main thing. I think it's great to see him on the main roster. I think uh, he's in the room with some great people. It's a great opportunity for him to get over with the fans. He's done some great work on AEW Dark. Recently beat Jesse Sorensen. Uh, he... 
Allen a while ago, uh, sort of back in August, which was quite good. And I think if you look at Will, Will Hobbs, he's got a lot of experience. He's kind of previously has been an APW internet champion and he's done stuff like that. So I think it's great to see him. It's great to see um, AEW make these new signings and make stars out of them. So I think putting him there with the right people at the top, particularly the world champion, I think what more can you do? I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I think that uh, it's a great way to put him in. It's a great learning curve. And uh, I think the future is bright for Will Hobbs. I don't know, just something looks at him and you just see star. And it's great to see one of these big guys that come in as well and they're actually a baby face because a lot of these big guys brought into AEW recently have been heels going after the champion. It's good to see that some muscle is there on the baby face side as well. Of course, there's some great potential matches we could look forward to somewhere down the line. We're already going to see Cage and Archer in the ring with Hobbs this upcoming week. And I think it's going to be a very exciting prospect. Yeah, I think it'd be fun. I think it's going to be a fun uh, all-out war. I think so as well. I think with these six, anything could happen. And Dynamite just feels must-see once again this upcoming week. Uh, but we touch on one more thing very quickly before we do. Uh, of course, Thunder Rosa defended the NWA Women's Championship successfully, I might add. Uh, so the first time that championship has been defended on Dynamite, defeating Eva Lise. Uh, there's been a rumors going around. This was a bit of a shoot. Yeah, I think it got a bit heated. I don't know whether that was meant to be the case, but early stages of the match, it did look like that uh, both Ivelisse and Thunder Rosa were trading some very hard shots. But um, yeah, great, great match again. Once again, it's great to see Thunder Rosa on AEW TV. I completely Eventually, if she, if, if, she, if she does join um, sort of AEW permanently when her contract expires. But um, yeah, it was a great match. I thought the shoot element of it, I don't know if it was legit or not, but it made it a lot more entertaining to watch. Absolutely. I don't know, something screams star with Thunder Rosa. I really want to see her permanently somewhere. I actually saw a great tweet from uh, Sean Slate, actually, who's quite regular on Twitter and uh, certainly uh, someone we follow here on SCW, which we recommend to go and follow, uh, suggesting one day, I need Thunder Rosa versus Io Shirai. I feel I need that match as well. Match, doesn't it? I think that'd be fantastic. Um, I think the thing is, AEW need the signing more than WWE. I think that's the one thing, AEW, they, they lack decent women's wrestling. But I think uh, Thunder Rosa, having that, having her on the show every week or as much as possible was a great start. Um, and I think this is great exposure for NWA Power as well. It's getting the brand out there again. Um, although they are going to be slightly depleted. They've lost quite a few people, unfortunately, since, since they last on there. Uh, they have indeed, yeah. I mean, it's kind of good for them to have that exposure, like I said. I'd love, I'd personally have seen Nick Aldis have a, a little go once again on AEW, just to really establish Eli Drake as well. I know those guys are still signed with uh, NWA, so it would be quite cool to see uh, just a bit of a cross-brand, just so they can start getting things back up and running again, because for them, as a brand, I think it's fantastic. You've got about 800,000 fans each and every week seeing, oh, one of our the champions is on there. We quite like what they do. Let's go and check that company out. The YouTube channel could go through the roof when we get back going for them, so um, I think for you I think it's great for them if they have a, a, some sort of working relationship but um, we mentioned uh, AEW won the ratings this week uh, they had about 800 odd thousand again to NXT dropping back down to about 600k again which is a shame for them uh, but just shows clearly they need to be on separate nights but um, one bit of good news for NXT they've got a permanent commentator in the hot seat Wade Barrett now has signed a one year deal with NXT uh, so happy he's there he's done a great job so far yeah, it's great. I think, he, he, if he, as I said previously, he gives a, a big-time feel to, to NXT TV. And I think um, it, it, it's a shame to see Nigel McGuinness in the UK, but um, it's great to have a Brit in, in the hot seat. That's all I'm going to say. 
Absolutely. We're biased here and we don't care. Yeah. We love a bit of a Brit in the hot seat. Honestly, it's, uh, it's great to see that with, with uh, Wade Barrett there. And like you say, Nigel Guinness, thankfully back on NXT UK. Uh, and the set looked fantastic with NXT UK. And uh, yeah, good luck to them with the BT Sport Studios. And uh, look forward to watching them each and every week. But of course, with the main show of NXT this week on a Wednesday night, uh, the standout match for me had to be Io Shirai against Shotzi Blackheart. Um, this felt like a standout moment performance for Shotzi. Um, hopefully big and better things are on our way uh, going forward after this match. Yeah, I thought I thought that's the best shots of Blackheart match I've ever seen. I thought um, it was fantastic. It really was just above and beyond. I thought it wouldn't be any good, and I think it just shows how good Eosuri is. And, and credit to Shotzi Blackheart, I always thought she was a bit of a comedy act, but the way that she was able to carry herself, the amount of offense she got in, there were times when you generally thought they were going to pull a shock and maybe Eosuri was going to lose. But um, yeah, great match. Credit to the women. I think it. Um... Oh, we just lost you at the second there, George. Apologies. Okay. Uh, no problem. Uh, all I was saying is that uh, it, the Io Shirai uh, Shotzi Blackheart match was probably one of the best matches of the week. I think um, it was fantastic, and it further shows that the women's NXT like division is really, really strong at the moment. Absolutely. It's a standout. It really is. And the thing is that you beautifully mentioned that there because we've now got uh, a number one contendership uh, going to be taking place next week. And a whole host of the NXT women's division going to be taking place in this battle royal. The winner will get a shot. And we've said this before, NXT going to have a takeover on October 4th, the week after uh, Clash of Champions. So they're going to start building towards that. No name given as of yet, but we've got a number one contendership battle royale. We mentioned Shotzi Blackheart. Tegan Knox is in the match as well. Candice LeRae, Rhea Ripley, uh, you know, the list goes on and on where it's Aaliyah's and, you know, of this world. All are in this match. It's looking like it's going to be an exciting one. Uh, I think Rhea Ripley is going to walk away here. I think she needs to have the match with Io Shirai at the takeover. I've been screaming since takeover 30. Um, it's time for the money match, isn't it, George? Yeah, I think it, it's got to come down to Rhea, Rhea Ripley winning. Um, you look at it, Candice LeRae and Tegan Knox. you might as well take them out. They're going to have a singles match, but judging by the, the past few weeks on NXT, I would think. Um, yeah, and I think that is the money match. I think you, for me, you're going to do it at a takeover. You need to probably do like a no contest or something because this needs more than one match. This is going to be one of the women's matches of the year, Steve. I don't know what your thoughts are. Oh, yeah, it feels money, these two together. I mean, Rhea Ripley, Eero Shirai. I mean, this is this is main roster worthy. Like you argue and say, this will be pay-per-view level for a Raw or a SmackDown. These two are top of their game and genuinely feel that the future is so bright for both of them. Personally, for me, I'm going to stick my neck out now because I, I like to make a prediction here and there. I think Eero Shirai would still retain at this point. I think Rhea Ripley is going to Raw or SmackDown when we get this next draft. The draft has said it's going to be very popular when we talk wrestling over the next few weeks. Is very hugely hinted we're going to get a draft uh, probably in the month of October and I think if the, if the takeover is October 4th wow that's just perfect timing isn't it to set someone off get them ready to be called up to Raw yeah. or SmackDown so I think Rhea Ripley she's going to get one more big uh, you know takeover match and I think her future is going to be on either Mondays or Fridays I agree with you. I think I think she has to go up. Clearly, she's she's been ready for the main roster probably even since WrestleMania, really. So I think it's about time. And I think uh, the fact the only concern I have about this, but that that would fit with what you say. If she's only going to be there for one more match, that is the way to go out against Io Shirai. Clearly, you're going to put over Io Shirai again, and then you'll probably move forward to Io Shirai. Will then probably face the winner of Candice LeRae or Tegan Knox, I would guess maybe. 
yeah, I mean, that would be a perfect uh, combination of those against each other there. So it would be very exciting to see how and what the plans are going to be next. And like you say, maybe Io Shirai at that point, and she's so over at that point, the next person she puts the belt to, goodness, they're going to look so good, aren't they? Say Candice LeRae, Tegan Knox, Shotzi. You know, if any of them win the belt of EO at that point, you turn and say, wow, we've got the next star built there with that one as well. So it's, it's very well booked the way the NXT women's division is going at the moment. They've done such a great job. Uh, but let's talk about the men's division. Finn, of course, Finn over. He is literally uh, now needs a challenger. And William Regal seems quite happy to give him that, that for the next takeover. Uh, it looks like we are going to get what is seen as a gauntlet elimination match. Something I used to love doing on the WCW versus NWO uh, computer game days. We used to turn the rules off, have a Royal Rumble style match, get the baseball bats out from the yeah. arenas and start smashing okay. people to pieces. Uh, but um, it's also what people were suggesting as well as an Aztec warfare match. We mentioned Lucha Underground earlier in this. It's pretty much the same. But instead of 20 superstars, it's going to be five. George, your thoughts on this and who do you think is going to be in it? Yeah, uh, what an exciting concept. Obviously, we've seen it before. It's something different. It's a great way to get multiple people in a match. Um, and if we think who's going to be in it, we've got one announcement one the other four people i think you're going for cameron grimes as always i think he's bound to be in it i think you're looking at probably bronson reed and then you're looking at probably somebody like either the velveteen dream or ridge holland i would say it's probably that's probably going to be your pick in terms of a winner uh, for me i think we're looking at it's got to be somebody kind of that's up there and i think it's got to be somebody refreshing really so it's kind of hard really i really struggle to pick a winner really for me it may be velveteen dream but then is it too soon for velveteen dream to be in the title picture again what's your thoughts steve very interesting indeed. Who was the first superstar again that's been announced? Sorry, I'm just trying to get all the names. Uh, Kushida. Kushida. See, Kushida would be a great shout. Just to see him in a takeover match. I've not seen it. It would be... Maybe, maybe be... it would be him. He's on a bit of a push. It probably could, could be Kushida, really. That would make sense, really, versus Balor, probably. It would be interesting to see. I mean, Grimes has a victory over um, Balor as well, but would that really sell your takeover I'm not sure I, I, I like the idea of Kushida personally I know Rich Holland has got a bright future as well in there uh, like you say Velveteen Dream probably the biggest name but certainly controversial at this moment I would say in that position so uh, there could be a number of people it could be but um, I, I don't know it's going to be interesting to see and we'll have to wait and find out as more names are announced there but I, I like the sound of Kushida I want to see him have a takeover moment because he's another person I can't want to see move to Raw Smackdown because I just don't see him utilised well enough in NXT up to this point until this recent push anyway no, I agree with you. I think I think it'd be good to see get that moment. Um, the way I kind of look at it, whoever it's going to be is only a placeholder. The fact that that we're sort of only like sort of two weeks away from a takeover isn't much time to build up a feud. So it's going to be sort of something they're thrown together, really. Absolutely, indeed. There. Well, let's move on to Monday Night Raw then, because of course they've had a very busy week there. We want to make sure we get our Raw bits in this week before we close off the show. Um, and uh, of course, it's been announced that we could have an ambulance match now for the Clash of Champions. I'm really happy about this. I did a video a few months ago suggesting some gimmick matches we should have. We've had a parking lot brawl this week, and we're getting an ambulance match. Both were in the video. I've, I feel someone's watched it. They probably haven't, but let's say uh, let's, uh, let's hope they have. Um, but um, it's great to see that this match is going to be brought in. It seems to fit well with the storyline. Are you liking the idea of an, an ambulance match with Drew and Randy? Yeah, it's going to be fun. I, I think it's um, going to be exciting. I think it's something different, and I really like the way that they're building it. I think they've done a great job of both Drew and Randy trading blows so far, which has made it a very even feud, even though we've had the match at SummerSlam already. I think the ambulance sentiment makes it more exciting. Absolutely, because we have the finishers not in the match, but we've had them all the way through to now, and then an ambulance is going to finish this one off. So really excited to see how it is going to play out. But um, also wondered your thoughts on the Oscar-Mickey James match this week. Of course, there was a bit of controversy with that one. Mickey James uh, was clearly reversing the move, but uh, the ref thought that she'd actually hurt herself and thought she couldn't continue, so he stopped the match. Health and safety first, yes, but uh, Mickey, is she too good in the ring? 
I think she's a fantastic worker. It has to be said. I think she's a legend in in the ring. Um, for me, uh, she is very good. I understand why. The, obviously, she took a couple of very hard shots in the nose, and I think that kind of they've got to be safe. But um, it's a shame, really, for the match to end like that. But I wasn't going to win this match. I don't think either way. No, no. It was always going to be Oscar winning here. There was never going to be any doubt on the on the victor and the loser of this match. But um, certainly was interesting to see how it was played out. We mentioned earlier on about Andrade potentially losing his push. Well, he's lost his manager by the look of things. Um, and potentially we could have Zelina Vega going for the championship. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, it's it's a bit out there. It's a bit different. Um, Selena Vega, clearly Tria Trinidad. She's, she's a fantastic worker. She's another one that can work. I think she's um, got the potential to go far, but it's very soon to have a title challenge. And I think... Um, it's something different. I think clearly WWE are wanting to relaunch that women's division on Raw, which will probably fit with maybe people coming up in the draft, as you said earlier. I think it all sort of runs in line. But for me, I think she'll just be a, like a temporary challenger. I don't think she should be going for the women's title already, really. It's too soon. No, she needs some more wins under her belt. I mean, she's a fantastic voice as well. She could carry a promo so well. She could carry, she'd almost be like Alexa Bliss kind of in that division where she's carrying that gimmick over so well. And she's got the, she's got the work to go with it. I think she could go far, but like you said, I think it's too soon for her. But I like the idea that Raw seems to be, you know, reestablishing that division. It seems to be trying to make some new stars going in there. Mandy Rose, of course, was brought in this week as well. But there are rumours heading around in the rumour mill that along with her and Keith Lee... There's no long-term plans in place. Is this a bit worrying? Uh, yeah, it, it doesn't kind of surprise me. Obviously, stuff at the moment, as we said last week's show, um, that WWE are just making some plan. But um, we'll see as the draft goes on. It's exciting times, really. But um, if you've got any hopes of long-term storylines, it's probably not worth getting invested in, really. No, there is a little bit of concern in that. But, uh, of course, hopefully, we hope they'd have plans for Keith Lee because he's such a great talent. He could be the face of the company, in my opinion. I think I've said that on one or two videos in the past, probably about 100 at this point, but literally a big fan of Keith Lee. And also, I think Mandy Rose has something to offer on Raw. It'd be interesting to see if Otis will join her on Raw in the upcoming draft. Yeah, let's see. I think the bigger, the bigger more bigger thing is, please get that belt uh, not that, but please get a briefcase off him, really. I think that's, that's what I'm praying for, really. But um, that's another subject. But no, going forward to it, I think it's great to see a trade. It'd be interesting what that means for Otis. Um, and as, in terms of Keith Lee as well, I think, uh, yeah, it was another big match he's been in. What I like about it so far is every match he's been in in the main roster is had meaning. It's against somebody of that level above, which shows he's capable. Uh, so his promo this week, I felt it was a bit weird. Considering he's such a baby face, it was almost hinting that he'd do anything to win the belt, which is a hill element. But um, for me, um, they're still keeping him strong. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of what they've done so far. I'm getting used to the music now as well. Yeah, I am as well, actually. I just kind of, I think it's just a weird blend with a bask in his glory then to this music. Yeah. I kind of just like to just go bask in his glory and then just drop it and then just get the music in rather than trying to fade it in like a really bad DJ mix. That's the only thing I kind of felt yeah. with it. But, um, yeah. you know, apart, apart from that... I, I must, I'm starting to grow on it as well. I mean, um, I didn't mind the new ring attire this week. I saw that uh, Adam Pearce had a handful as well earlier this week. If you've seen some steals on social media is there as well. Um, what are your thoughts on Adam Pearce very quickly? Because he seems to be playing almost like a, a general manager role without being anything uh, on the company. He seems to be appearing everywhere. There you go. That, that's the money question. Exactly what I was about to say. But um, yeah, he, he's, he's almost a GM without being a GM. Obviously, ever, ever since Pac... Pat Buck fell out with Nia Jax. He's almost taken that role. Um, it's interesting to see what he does. For me, I think he's uh, an interesting character. He's a good talker, so he does convey. I'm just wondering, really, if he's something to do maybe with retribution, really. It's a bit funny how 
he mentions them all the time. They get into the building every single week um, and something like that. I think it's, um, it's interesting, but I hope there's kind of, it'd be great to see them get a proper GM. If it's going to be him, fine, but you do need a GM on Raw and SmackDown. You don't need somebody that's meant to be head of security that can then book matches and do whatever they want. No, I think you're right there. I think you're spot on with that. And I, honestly, I'm talking about it as well. I really feel that uh, he actually could be a good GM, but I love the uh, perfect segue. We're going to go into retribution in a moment. Uh, but I love the idea that uh, maybe he could be a part of it. You know, there's something we don't really think about with Adam Pearce of like that higher power, power kind of feeling. What if it was an actual WWE official who was against the company from within? It's their way of getting it. That would actually make sense. It, Clearly isn't going to happen, is it? But, um, I mean, at the same time, though, Retribution, there's been a lot of news coming out with these guys again this week. There seems to be five steady names that are in and around there. Um, it seems to be concrete knowledge now. But um, there's one name that we have in conflict in the rumour and reports that could be one spot. So if I say four of them, George, uh, and then we can go on the fifth one and discuss it. Obviously, yeah. Dominic Dajkovic has been the rumour since minute one. That that seems to have been almost he came out with the, uh, with the, with the stable at this point, it feels. Mia Yim, Mercedes Martinez, Dio Madden and then well the fifth name was either Shane Fawn which I heard but you heard another name yeah so so Shane Fawn's one that we both heard quite a lot but um there's another one this week that if you compare the image of the fifth person on the end it does look an awful lot like the Miz and it kind of it's out there it's different I think this fable are going to need somebody that's already on the roster what you could say is with the Miz the Miz obviously although he may not be connected to NXT or anything, he does have a point to prove he does want to get some sort of momentum. And the early part of this sort of stable building, the Miz was all... ...have some sort of power to be able to get people drafted, or, which would mean he must know somebody in Raw to be able to get uh, retribution potentially in the building. What's your thoughts on the Miz potentially being the leader or being part of this stable? I just love the things we've discussed in the last few minutes because the fact is, politely, nothing against Shane Fawn if he's a regular listener. I just don't think he fits in in this stable for me. It just doesn't work. He's had an opportunity on Raw. I think he would be good in some way on, on the main roster, but this, for me, doesn't feel it. It doesn't feel main event for me with Shane Fawn. The Miz, the Miz is an underrated worker. He's someone that's been with the company for years. He's done things the company line. It would have that shock element and factor that we would expect that would come with Retribution. And the key things you mentioned there in our conversation we've had there is the Miz has the ability to talk to someone on Raw to get a trade. Adam Pearce, maybe? Yeah, yeah, it gets, it's getting weirder and weirder. I think the key thing about it, the positives this week from Retribution were numbers again. I like that. That was a shock. That was nice. I like the way they came out of the main event, which is what I've been wanting to do for ages. Um, I thought um, the ending with them and the Hurt Business, I really enjoyed it. It took me back to, to 1997 where we had the Gam War between the, the Disciples of Apocalypse, the Nation of Domination, and, and the Las Barricas. It reminded me of that. Um, I wasn't a fan of them getting destroyed, but the trouble with this is this storyline is, is on the crisp of being, uh, it could be great, but I think WWE, the way they've had the, all these people one minute turn up with loads of them, they're not enough. The, the payoff's got to be enough. And I think if it's just the four people you said originally, um, they're for me not enough really. I don't think they're, I don't think they're all great work wrestlers, but they, they're, the backstory doesn't really work for me. None of them have been particularly mistreated. Like Mia Yim has been on a bit of a push in NXT. She hasn't really kind of lost. Mercedes Martinez, I know she's lost the odd matches, but she's had women's title matches recently as well. And if you look at Dominic Dijakovic, uh, he lost to Killer, Killer Cross, Karen Cross. Um, that's not a bad thing, so it doesn't really work. But I'm intrigued to see. I, th I think the interesting element of this is 
who the leader is, and that's really where the money is. If it's, if it is just Dijakovic, I'd be a bit underwhelmed. Really, no offense to anybody. Yeah, no, I think it makes perfect points and perfect sense. There, it's great elements, and it's almost brought a bit of buzz back to retribution when uh, kind of. This time a week ago, I think we were discussing and it felt was fading, but our conversation here has definitely brought a bit more life back into it for me. And like you said, I mean, they've been putting over the Hurt Business this week and the Hurt Business looked like a million dollars on Raw this week. I mean, the way that they, you know, we want to say offered themselves to help Adam Pearce out, but literally, I mean, to be fair, like the, nothing comes to cheap. They don't do charity. Uh, and the way that Cedric, you know, destroyed Ricochet. I mean, Ricochet sold that uh, lumbar check like he was being completely murdered, really. Let's be fair. It looked absolutely brilliant. Cedric, for me, just very quick on the Hurt Business, has, feels like he's got the most to gain out of this stable for me because he's got the age and time on his side here. That Do you think that those other members that all in their 40s, the other ones, but they could really, if, if things go the way that Cedric was, he did a great promo, a great match, looks a million dollars with them by his side, attacking Retribution. Could that future be really bright for Cedric Alexander? It's a great addition. I think it's a very clever move. That The payoff has been good. I think it gives that stable a further lift. I really like the way that these guys are arrogant. I like the way they're coming out to save Raw. Normally, I'm not a fan of the Hill versus Hill dynamic, but the way they did it with Hull Adam Pearce. And I think the thing that makes it stable more than anything for me is MVP, despite his funny moment on Raw when he called Cedric Alexander Celtric Alexander in, in second for a second. He... Um, He's a fantastic talker. For me, he, he's making that stable a great stable. And you've got Bobby Lashley. You've got, kind of got it all there. Look what he's done. He's lifted Shelton Benjamin. He was in the periphery doing nothing. He's now on TV. Bobby Lashley was in that horrible angle with Lana going nowhere. He's now a star. And you've also got sort of Cedric Alexander now that's obviously going to be a star as well. I really like it. I think the only thing they need, they do need to get a face dynamic that's going to counter the stable, which for me, if you're looking at people like... Uh, Mustafa Ali and no, yeah, Mustafa Ali, and you look at people like Ricochet, they're not going to be enough. You need proper up and mid card baby faces in a stable. A bit like the days of, do you remember the Atchison era when we had the corporate ministry and then we had the union? Do you remember the union? I do indeed, yes. You, you, kind, you, you kind of need that dynamic. Does that make sense? Yeah, we do. We need, we need some counterparts because otherwise it's just too many stables. And if they're all on the hillside, you know, Drew can't fight them off on his own, neither yeah. Keith Lee. I mean, Technically, it was six guys that beat everyone this week up. So, I mean, it's, you know, you do need those couple of strong, you know, forces there with them to be able to take on these stables. So, I, I would like to see that going forward. I want to see a face stable brought together as well. Maybe they, you know, need to fight against Retribution, fight against the Hurt Business. You know, Apollo, Ali, Ricochet, they can be part of it, but they need some heavy at the top there. Someone to really carry them forward. Maybe Keith Lee is that guy. I don't know. Yeah. That's a good shout. I think the key thing, what I want to see, last thing I was going to say about retribution is what I want to see is I want to see for once WWE paying off the next week. So what, what, how Raw should start next week is I know you've got this Randy Orton and you've got this Drew match which has happened. You need Drew and Keith Lee to be coming out saying, oh, what we want retribution. You want to be following on what they've done. Because what's been happening before is retribution have attacked people like when they attacked Selena Vega, they attacked Andrade and that lot. And then the next week, nothing said about it. And it just kind of doesn't really make sense to me. I, I don't think it really works. I don't know what your thoughts on that are. No, I, I think you're right. It's continuity, isn't it? It's something that leads from the cliffhanger at the end of one show. You need it going into the start of the next. It can't be just forgotten about that uh, Drew and Keith Lee were, were fighting off this. You need the Hurt Business that want to, you know, not just take over Raw Underground and leave it for a month. I want them to be going back after Retribution. There needs to be yeah. continuity, like you said there. And there has to be... They, what's also fun with it is that the dynamic of the face and heel was almost working together now to fight Retribution off and finding those, those you know, twists and turns and what that's going to link to. Is it going to be like the Invasion Angle? You know, like we had with 2001, where people turn around and saying to themselves, well, I don't like you, but we need to work together here. Yeah. This, this sort of stuff here makes more credit to the storyline that we're getting. 
No, I agree. I think you're spot on. I think, I think that's the key thing. I think what you want to be doing is seeing people sort of, regardless of being face or heel, this is a threat to the WWE, hence they need to be treated. And I think it'd be interesting to see maybe a Hurt Business retribution match somewhere along the line, because I think that's probably that's probably the route they should go down. I know it's two hill stables, but really you're going to have to do something with retribution to keep them busy to survive a series, in my opinion, now. I agree that wholeheartedly. I really do. Uh, we'll move on very quickly. A couple of uh, a couple of more raw stories before we finish off. Dolph Ziggler MVP were on commentary this week as we just talked about MVP. I thought both did a good job standing in for Samoa Joe. Yeah, I, I thought they did well. They didn't look out of place, that's for sure. No, they did not. And I thought it was kind of nostalgic as well. It's like a WCW Nitro seeing people change halfway through. Uh, Braun Strowman in Raw Underground. Um, I mean, it was a bit bizarre. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan, as I said, uh, of Braun Underground, unfortunately. I think the problem with it is you've got Braun going. He's traded shows with no explanation. I know Raw Underground is a free-for-all and anything happens. I understand that. But um, this is Braun Strowman that's challenged for the world title. You, and you're now putting him with Dabakator that can't even get on the main show, if that makes sense. You can only get him Raw Underground. It doesn't really work for me. It's uh, I don't really get what the payoff is. I think Braun is danger of falling very far down the card. Clearly, his recent work with The Fiend wasn't particularly sensational, as, we, as we've said before on previous podcasts. And I think this is just a pointless feud. I don't get what Braun adds to Raw Underground. It doesn't do anything really for me in that respect. What do you think? No, I feel the same, really. I mean, if anything, if there's one match I'm going to say from Raw Underground that I'd say I'd be interested in if there was a finish it would be a Dabakato who's someone that have built from nothing to try and see how he would work against an established start of a Braun Strowman. But Braun, like you said, he's not had the strongest few weeks really. And now he's just sort of randomly turning up here with no explanation. Um, is it another trade? Is it a one-off? We're not quite sure. Time will tell on this, but um, it certainly was something a bit different, I would say this week. But um, my opinion, I've said it before, I say it again, Brought Underground, it needs to stop and it needs to, needs to be dropped as soon as possible for me. It just isn't connecting. Yes, it's fresh. Yes, it's different. But where's the logic? I don't understand it. It just, it's not, it's not even like watching UFC or MMA. It's just rules that are made by someone who's got a lot of money, who's got his own little club, who makes things up as he goes along. And for me, without any rules and actual guidelines of what we're actually watching, if there was rules, I think I'd get it. But it just seems to be stopped willy-nilly. There's no time limits. There's nothing. It's just, I don't know. It's just guys in, fighting in a little club room. And Shane, makes, Shane decides what goes. Yeah, I agree with you. I, th I think the thing is, I did hear something once. Somebody came up with a great idea. Sorry, I can't give a name. I don't actually remember who it was. But um, there was talk originally about sort of um, a theory of that you'd go into Raw Underground and if you win matches in there, you'd get almost points slash or coins or something. And you could then upskill the coins or trade the coins up to get title shots on the main roster. I think something like that would work. But the problem is when you've got Shane there with no explanation, what I would love to have seen, I would love to see Vince, I know, come out and say, well, I haven't authorised this on my show. Why is it happening and stuff like that? And it's, we've not had that payoff. There's been nothing really used from this to get sort of anybody further on, further up the guard. There's nothing to do really. doesn't really get anything up. It has got Dabakator on TV. It has got sort of um, the security guard on TV again. It's got people that uh, weren't on TV. I'll give them that. But they're not doing anything with the people that are in there. It's almost like a place for people that can't, they can't really do anything with almost. Mm, yeah, exactly. Almost as if they've, they've found their way into the room like a big brother yeah. house and need to really fight the way to find their way out yeah. again and seem to get a, a black eye along the way if you're someone like Riddick Moss or Dolph Ziggler it feels but um, we'll, we'll have one more um, talking point George if you don't mind before we close off the show this week and uh, I know this is one you're very much looking forward to is the Mysterio family of course it was a great kill steel cage match Seth Rollins and Dominic Mysterio I thought they did really well in Raw this week great TV cage match for, for sure. But the interesting part was after the match, of course, Murphy ignored instructions, come to ringside. Seth Rollins destroyed him, went to the back after he destroyed him. And the Mysterio family went in to check on Dominic. Of course, he'd lost the cage match. But of course, the uh, daughter of Rey Mysterio, Aaliyah, 
First off, and the camera made sure to catch it, checked on Murphy. This definitely feels like storyline worthy here. And uh, yeah, I wanted your thoughts too, because you've been saying for the longest time, the Mysterio family, there's going to be something happening. They're here for a reason. And you felt that someone may just turn or something's going to be interesting with them there. Yeah, I, th I think it, the seeds are there. I think the fact that um, you're getting that, it's a nice twist. Um, for me, I think it's a double bluff. I think we're going to see Angie, Angie, which is the, the mother of Dominic and, and Leah. And wife of Ray, I think that'll be the one person that turns. Although it does look like it'll be Aaliyah turning for Murphy. I think Angie will blame Ray for, for this. And I think that's a fit, really. I think, but the, I don't know what the longevity is of Angie as a character. I'm not really too sure. But it's great they're doing these elements. This is an Attitude Era type storyline for me. And I think as, as a fan of wrestling, I think the Attitude Era is one of my favourite times. So going back to this, when you bring the family into it, it makes it a lot more interesting. It's a bit like a reality, a bit more realistic. What, what's your thoughts on the storyline so far? Yeah, I agree with you. I love the idea of, of, of reality. I love the idea of it feeling personal. I, I think that that's, that's what you get here. You kind of have a connection because everyone has family and everyone, you know, regardless of their relationships with family, we all can connect in some way and see where these things go to. Uh, I'm sure there's many fathers that watch Raw and probably sit to go, you know, with a daughter going with this disciple who, you know, has been doing some awful, evil things. He put Alistair Black's eye yeah. out a few weeks ago and yet she's looking out for him. What is she doing? You know, it's like there, there is those things we just sit there and go you can connect with that and there's something engages you into that storyline so for me i think it's fascinating from that point of view and um i do think one day uh we've discussed it before but i think one day dominic will turn on ray mysterio as well and that day because of the way they're doing this with family it's gonna hurt we're gonna feel it as viewers and i think that that has a thing of saying that this could be absolutely fantastic television on wwe if done and played right yeah, I agree with you. I think you're spot on. I think the connection's there. I think they've done a great job of getting Dominic over to the crowd. Although we've seen the Dominic and Seth match before, it was a great match. Um, I'm really liking this whole Seth Rollins uh, sort of uh, Seth Rollins equivalent of Brody Lee. He's doing that type of character where he's beating up Murphy and stuff. And I think um, it's interesting. It's an interesting dynamic. I think the Aaliyah part makes it a bit more fun. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes next. I just hope they pay it off, really. I really do as well. And I think with that camera shot this week, they have to be building towards something. So I'm hoping a payoff is in the future. But definitely, uh, there was thumbs up all round from me from Raw uh, with the cage match this week. And the, the hints, the seeds, uh, you know, they're there now. Let's see those plants grow. I want to see how this is going to develop next week on Raw. But, um, well, I think that uh, we've done pretty much with, with the WWE Raw stuff now. So I'm going to quickly just touch on one or two minor from the indies here. Um, and I want to just give a shout out to Ring of Honor really more than anything here because Ring of Honor have brought back the Pure Championship. They've done a tournament as well. And the first rounds were done this week. And I just want to say the presentation was absolutely superb. I want to shout out to anyone that's watching this video. Check out Ring of Honor because literally the Pure Style and the rules you can't use a very technical submission base of wrestling it's pure wrestling uh, they've actually introduced their brackets of the superstars going to be taking place we had a great match with Jay Lethal and Dalton Castle which is a pay-per-view level match for Ring of Honor we also had as well uh, Jonathan Gresham and uh, the Octopus also taking on uh, Wheeler Utah, which uh, Utah is a great uh, guy that's been trained by uh, Drew Gulak as well uh, he's got a great future ahead of him wrestling only 23 years old I love the fact with the rules of this as well the rope breaks you're only allowed three rope 
breaks in a 15 minute time limit match. If you touch the rope, you lose, you lose a break. You can't do it anymore. You can't lose a, a closed fist. If you do it twice, you're disqualified. And if someone interferes in the match, they are terminated from the company. It just feels it's one-on-one -on -one action, pure tournament style, the best of the best wins. And the way the camera work is presented is done in a way that you can't even tell that fans are not there. It's geniusly done. And I think that the pure championship is something that's been around previously in Ring of Honor. I believe AJ Styles is the first champion back in 2004, defeating CM Punk. Had champions like Brian Danielson, Samoa Joe, Jay Lethal previously. He's the only one that could be the two-time champ. You look at it and say, this is well presented. It's different to any company that's out there right now during a pandemic trying to give us something different. I think Ring of Honor from people deserves a chance. So for me, I wanted to put that play out there for them. I think that Ring of Honor are doing a fantastic job. But George, I want to get one more take on you very, very quickly before we close off. Impact Wrestling, we just have to talk about very quickly. Their match has been announced for Bound for Glory. The main championship match has been announced. We're going to get Eric Young, the champion against Rich Swan. Of course, Rich Swan has been retired on a retirement angle. Uh, and of course, now he's now going to be coming back. He's still meant to be injured. The match has been made because Scott Demore really felt the heartfelt promo. Um, do you think that uh, Eric Young and Rich Swan is a main event worthy match for the Impact Championship at Bound for Glory? Uh, yeah, I think I think it will be a good match. I think it's great to see Eric Young sort of be given the belt and obviously having this run with him. Uh, I'm enjoying that. Um, I think I think it's a match. I don't know whether it's main event level, really. I, I don't really, I would confess, I don't really watch a massive amount of Impact Wrestling. Obviously, I know you watch it every single week, Steve. Um, what's your thoughts of Rich Swan as a, as a number one contender? Uh, well, it really took me a while surprise when it comes to Slammiversary. You know, we both watched that show. We both felt a bit, we want to say underwhelmed, really, as he was the fourth guy. Not really because it was Rich Swan, but more because it wasn't an outsider coming in at that point. But we got Eric Young. Um, they built the seeds from that moment. I just thought that this match was too soon. I would be surprised if uh, Eddie Edwards was added back into the match. I'm not sure of his injury status after losing the championship. He was supposed to be worn down. His leg was injured in the match. So I don't know if it's meant to be real or storyline. This could turn into a freeway. I'd like to have seen a long-term booking because if Rich Swan's supposed to have been out for seven months, he's now only been out for like seven weeks. I want to see more done here. But maybe he's not going to be 100% going into the match. Maybe that's a way they can build it more for Eric Young to just get more heel heat and build this towards the January pay-per-view. I, I think potentially uh, this could be a great storyline. And I think that's what's really positive about it. I think Impact has uh, done a great job with these guys so far. I just wonder if this match being put together is too soon, but we won't find that out until pay-per-view. Yeah, no, fair point. As I said, I, I haven't watched a massive amount of it, but clearly anything Eric Young does, Eric Young's always been a, like a really good worker. I really rate him. I think him as a character, he's got some fantastic promos and skills. And I think um, it's great to see him land on his feet after being released by WWE. Absolutely. If anything, he's doing some of his best work of his career right now. I really think he's doing a great job. Really love the EC3 and Moose feud that's going on as well at the moment with the uh, hostage of the championship and Moose desperately trying to get it back in some ways. Uh, just a little cameo mention here, just to mention that he was meant to rung the demo god because Jericho had his championship stolen back in the day of what to do to get it back. I just thought that was a nice little touch as well. Um, but uh, before we go today, George, is there anything else you'd like to mention? Uh, no, no, it's been, it's been a f another fantastic uh, discussion. Thank you for having me on again. I've really enjoyed discussing it. It's been absolutely brilliant to have you on as always, George. And uh, it's great to talk pro wrestling with you. Thank you for everyone that's been watching as always. If you're a first time viewer, please share it with a friend. Word of mouth goes a long way. You can hit the bell on YouTube and subscribe. Know when new videos are coming out each and every time. Ask SCW is back on Sunday. Uh, George and I have had discussions. And if you don't mind, I'm going to make the announcement now in the next week or two. We are going to be doing a retro as that's been asked for by some of our viewers to do that. We're going to be doing WrestleMania 17 as a throwback review show. We're looking very much forward to doing that. Uh, we hope 
hope you guys will join us for that if and well not if but when we do it we're looking forward to doing that hopefully should be dropping if not in the next week definitely in the next two for sure uh, of course we're going to rewatch the show ourselves and then uh, get our notes ready and uh, we'll come back we'll be recording and it will be putting out for you the viewing public and we look forward to you guys watching and we're thankful for you guys supporting the channel but that's all from us anyway thank you for watching see you next time and uh, this has been SCW the wrestling channel this has been this week in wrestling thank you for watching uh, and thank you for listening if you've been on podcast form as well uh, make sure you can follow us you can subscribe get involved you know what to do we'll see you next time here on youtube spotify and everywhere else you may be watching or listening